come across an enchanted glade. You can tell it's enchanted partially because of the feeling on the air, you know how enchanted places are, and partially because there are shiny dust motes everywhere, like in sunbeams that are being delicately filtered through gentle trees. And you could feel like this is kind of a magical space, and there's flowers everywhere. Not like big obtrusive ones, but little ones that add a little sparkle to the scene. And in the middle of the scene, there's a stone. A normal stone like you would see anywhere. Except for the giant fucking sword sticking out of it. And you think to yourself, am I the king of England? Welcome to Cat's Cradle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Kathleen, and I'm going to roll sensitivity focus and look really intently at the stone. What's the deal with that? <laughs> the stone's a normal stone. Okay. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. I, you gotta like, just do your due diligence, you know? You gotta do your due diligence. It's like, ultimately, Nick, do you prefer the sword or the scabbard? Um, depends on what system we're running. Mm, I prefer the knife. <laughs> That's a vote for blade. Knife, 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 knife. Today on Cat's Cradle, we're going to be talking to you about magical items and magical weapons and their place in RPGs and how we feel about them and where I imagine them going in Heroic Court. Also, welcome to Cat's Cradle. I'm Cat. This is my cradle. I'm the knife baby. I'm Nick. <sighs> we will make you listen to us talk about knives eventually. No, that's what this episode is. Yeah, we're talking about knives right now. We're talking about knives. Magic knives. So I think the the role-playing game that has the most weight on magical items, at least that I've played, is very obviously Dungeon Dragon, yeah? Yes, it is the big one. There is a whole section in that game that is about what magic items you find. There's pages upon pages of weird nonsense in the form of jugs and glasses and knives and shoes that all do crazy things. And I think the problem I've got with Dungeon Dragon, if we're just going to launch right into all my problems with Dungeon Dragon, and why not? Is that, yeah, there's jugs and shoes that do weird stuff. And that's delightful. And I love it. I love it. Um, but there's also swords whose magic power is plus one. <laughs> Yes, there is also the magics of game mechanics. (laughs) Plus one is not an interesting magic. But Kat, there are some monsters that you can only hit with plus one. Uh. Or better. Well, I I will say I think the whole, like, this sword is plus one is just like, oh, the magic sword is so cool that you are a better swordsman when you use it. Which, there's plenty of weapons that do that in folk tales and stuff like that, but I think... The problem with just basically busting it down to plus one is that, well, I mean, you lose the magic of the magic weapon. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I think, like, you could pretty safely describe a lot of legendary weapons from history as being just, like, plus one weapons. Like, they're better than other weapons, but they don't, like, summon storms or charm dragons or whatever. So, like, Excalibur is probably a plus one longsword, right? At least. But at the same time, the name plus one longsword might be what's bothering me about this. It kind of loses the sense of destiny when it's drilled down that way. Well, think of it this way then. Excalibur was actually probably an arming sword, so it's most likely a plus one short sword. 
Ah. Oh. So there you go. It's no longer the plus one longsword. We've added more adjectives to it. That means it's better, right? No, we've changed the adjective, which means it's better. Okay. Yeah. Can Excalibur cut grass? I mean, probably. Probably. If something is a grass-cutting sword, I'm given to understand that it's important. I mean, it depends on how it cuts grass. Mm. Plus one against grass. Like a lawnmower blade is not very impressive. But a sword that you swing and then like the air itself cuts the grass, that's a lot more impressive. What about a plus one lawnmower blade? I think that's getting into a different topic on magic things, which is like goofy magic mundane items. But I think while we're on the subject of magic knives, I think this is going to come down to most of our problems with the D&Ds is that items that are purely mechanical are boring because they are purely mechanical. Now, that being said, you can't always say in your game of, you know, whatever, that this is, you know, a Thunder Slash's magic sword that he went on the crusade of 12 <laughs> demons, you know, and, and loaded Sorry. up. <laughs> the legendary hero sword Thunder Slash. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean... He's a legendary hero. Haven't you heard of him? (laughs) Oh, gather around and I'll tell you a tale. (laughs) But I think the thing, though, is in a system, while you can say that, oh, well, you can just flavor anything to be anything you want, you know, that's true, but that's also not a game mechanic. That's a narrative device. Yeah. Like, you could do that in any game. In Vampire, I could be like, this sword is the enchanted sword of Sword Thunder Slash. Mm-hmm. I could do that in Vampire pretty easily, actually. But yeah, if the weight is on the GM to make something interesting and relevant and to give it that sense of destiny that makes legendary weapons from historical epics so compelling, then it's not part of the game. It's like Nick said, it's part of the creative writing. You could put it in any game. The GM that we have on the stream, that's Edge of the World, Bailheart, where we play most Sunday nights on Twitch. But... um <laughs> puts a lot of thought and work into the relics above and beyond what uh, Dungeon Dragon has given them to work with. And the result is very compelling, but it's not something that's baked in in a way that I would give credit to Dungeons Dragon for. Yeah. So I guess going in that direction then, let's loop this back to the system that we are currently using because that's the podcast that y'all are listening to. It's We're About Heroic Chord. So how have you taken a look at magic items in the setting. And I'm very curious because I think I was the one who kind of forced the magic item issue with the Captain Saber. I must have. Have I done them? But Mm, No. I mean, I'm almost certain that that magic items were a thing that you were thinking of beforehand, but I was the one who was like, I want a magic sword. What does it do? How does it work? Cat. Then I was like, here, have more magic swords. Have more, (laughs) like, have all the magic swords (laughs) you can carry, you dipshit. Guess what's going to happen in season two? Cobb's going to get another magic sword. <laughs> You're go- I'm going to continue to collect magic swords until Cat <laughs> kicks me off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I like small magic items. I like whittle ones. So the name for the mechanic in Heroic Court is Mysterious Treasures. They're not plus one long swords. They're also not plus three flaming vorpal swords. They do little things, like they have their own spell piece attached, and there's a little magic attached to them. 
or maybe they give an extra dice on a certain kind of roll, which is uh, something I very much took a cue from Scion, actually, because it's not a good game, but I love it. So I just want to say the thing that I actually think is the most interesting thing about the magic items in Heroic Court is the fact that they have a spell piece attached to them. Well, not all of them, but they can, yeah. They, they can. Like, I think that is the most interesting thing about them, though, is the idea that because this item itself is magic, you can literally use the magic in that item. Uh, one thing that I really like about that particular mechanic is kind of how easy it makes it for a GM to just be like, you know what, if you can come up with a word, you can just hand that word to your players and see what they do with it. You can come up with a magic item, even if the only thing that's on your mind right now is just a single word. Like fries or shark. <sighs> mm -hmm. Fries wasn't my fault. No, both of those are Kirsten's fault, really. Those are Kirsten, because Kirsten Kaiser Soze is the, uh, the spell pieces. This is very true. I will say I really like that about the system, but that's the magic talk <laughs> and not the magic item talk. This is true. Um, the other reason that I like small magic items is because I've played so much Dungeon Dragon. And the problem with Dungeons Dragon is that magic items are a mandatory part of the experience. It's not so much that a hero found a legendary item they were destined for and with its help they achieved greatness. It's that a hero needs to have at least a certain GP worth of magic items in order to be competitive. <laughs> you gotta have the loot. It's part of the progression system. Yeah, and I mean, that's how D&D works and a lot of people really enjoy it. But I do feel like making it so mandatory and so much of a load-bearing concept took some of the mystery out of it. And so, like, the really weird and really interesting magic items sometimes end up feeling like a footnote to the more mandatory ones. I've always rather liked the pile of, what does D&D call them, wondrous creations, wondrous items, I believe. Wondrous items, yeah. Yeah, that, like, I like those way better than almost any of the other things because they function a lot more like, you know, like magic items that Cat makes where they, they don't have just a plus one. In fact, most of them don't plug into the rest of the mechanics of the game at all. They do something strange like contain mayonnaise or beer or let you see in the dark or they're just super glue, you know, like... I was just going to bring up Sovereign Glue. <laughs> Sovereign Glue and Universal Solvent. <laughs> Some of them are also even references to folk magic and the, the I don't know whether they're called Thousand League boots in Dungeons and Dragons or not, or if they're called like boots of striding or something like that, but boots that make you walk extra far or doors that are connected to other places or a little rock that demons don't like or those sorts of things. Yeah. I think an interesting thing, actually, bringing that up, especially the door to another place, though, is because D&D &D is such a high fantasy setting, like where magic is not only common but mandatory, pretty much, Yeah, that changes sort of the nature of a lot of what you'll find. But despite the fact that magic is a very common part of Heroic Chord, at least you know in the sense that the player characters are all rangers who can all cast spells... The setting, however, doesn't seem to be nearly as drowning in the stuff as others. 
And so I'm curious then, Kat, as to what what is the eventual sweet spot that you're looking for in Heroic Chord for magic items? My idea of a magic item, at least what I want them to be in Heroic Chord, is a souvenir from an adventure. So pushing the sentimental aspect a lot more than anything else. Yeah. One of my favorite magical items in season one is the Eagle Feather Sword. Mm-hmm. It's a simple weapon. It grants a bonus on a die when Cobble is airborne because it's a feather. Which he likes to do a lot. Which he likes to do. Even if it doesn't always work out. And him gaining this object was a moment in a story. It's a memento of an adventure that Cobb had. And I think because Heroic Court is built to be kind of a sentimental game in that regard, I really wanted magical items to have a feel like, um, well, like souvenirs. Small, maybe useful items that are tied to a memory. Memory time is a big part of the game. Memory time, yeah. It's a very sentimental game. Made by, you will not be surprised, a very sentimental person. (laughs) So the samples I've got is that it might add additional dice to a specific skill, add an additional layer of scatter, add a terrain or personal spell piece. And of course, there's a difference between them. You have to use one of each. Grant an ability a ranger of a similar season could have or additional armor or damage, which was just, you know, in case you really wanted a plus one sword. Look, sometimes people really want a plus one sword. But I think putting the plus one sword in there as a the thing that some people want and less of the, this is part of progression and mandatory. Also, I think probably adds a little bit more magicalness back to the plus one sword when I guess it's not part of progression as normal. Although I I guess you get into the whole, like gotta be careful because maybe if the game's not balanced around it, but you know, then you get into the crunchy number stuff. And I mean, crunchy number stuff right now is very much in flux. Yes, crunchy number stuff at the current moment when we are recording this uh, is very high flux. So the magic items might be totally different when all this is said and done. I really like the magic items as they are, though. So I'd probably just change, like, um, if combat roles are changed, then I'd probably change the way magic items interact with that. But my favorite sample treasure from the book is a lock of a noble demon's hair containing the personal spell piece, Violent. It's the kind of thing that implies a story, even though I didn't tell the story of that in the manual, um, I also just like demons. True. I just love demons. They're just cool. Mm-hmm. They're just good and cool. You can learn more about noble demons if you listen to probably the Halloween Spooktacular. So I think the other big motivation behind the magic items in Heroic Chord is actually not fantasy novels or role-playing games at all. It's historical. I really like ancient epics. They're my favorite genre of anything. Mm-hmm. Ancient stories about heroes ranging from Beowulf to, I mean, I count the Three Musketeers, even though it has like, it's a modern story, but it's still kind of in the epic tradition. Those stories always seem to have items that maybe aren't magical. Maybe there's no magic in this story, but they are exceptional. And they are very much tied to a person and they are very sentimental. Like the green dragon spear in Three Kingdoms. It's green and it's a dragon. I mean, what more could you want? Or the the missing diamonds that are at the center of the intrigue in The Three Musketeers. 
Durandal from uh, La Chanson de Roland. Yeah. Not necessarily magical, but still exemplary and tied to a person and a place and a sequence of events. It's a very special part of the story. And I, I kind of wanted that feeling more than the feeling that you get in fantasy novels of just like the sword of destiny. It's a sword that's a little bit special and it belongs to a person who's a little bit special. Okay. So I don't think I'd ever want there to be like a plus three Vorpal sword and heroic cord. It's not really the kind of stories I want to tell. I like to tell little sentimental stories. Well, so I guess the interesting thing then that I'm very curious to see where this goes is there was a very big to-do in the prior part of the story of Heroic Chord, which is, of course, the Cataclysm. Oh, yeah, that thing. Which is definitely something that you would think then would have sorts of weird things like that. But it sounds like, for the most part, the the ghosts of the past from that area, I guess, are being more used as the horrors and the automata? Is that more of where they were going there and less of, like, this was the hero's sword or spear from a hundred years ago, it was like, no, things were different. Yeah, I think things were fundamentally different back then. And I think that ideologically, a spear that belonged to an ancient hero doesn't really fit in heroic chord. The people of the past weren't heroes, they were flawed, and the present is still coping with the fact that the people of the past were flawed. So I don't think thematically a legendary spear of a hero would be a good fit, frankly. It makes sense to me. Like a spear that carries a piece of a demon that can shred through illusions. That's a that's a modern thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I've given Cobble a sword. I've given Cobble the demon feather. I have given Tissa the piece of the countess. Mm-hmm. I suppose Cobb technically has a piece of the countess too, right? He does, yeah. I'm not sure what Cobb has done with it. That's a good question, actually. I think Cobb, Cobb may have forgotten about it. It might, it might be in a <laughs> lockbox waiting to be the treasure for the next adventurer. Because <laughs> it, it was split into, and we know what Tissa did. We don't know what Cobble did. Probably just pocketed it. So now my question is, we have to make a magic item for Penelope. Ah. And here's the thing I'm thinking right now with my brain, with my cool good brain. Mm-hmm. I have a cool brain. Kirsten's not here. This is true. We don't know where Kirsten is. Lost to time and space. Well, that's not nice to tell the listener. We don't know where she <laughs> is either then. Nobody knows. Lost in time and space. She could be right behind you. Listener, listener, please keep an eye on all of your popcorn. If Kirsten yeah. is nearby, you might not have any anymore. Put out a bowl of popcorn tonight. Wherever Kirsten is, she might be hungry. <laughs> Please take care of our friend if she stumbles upon you. <laughs> so let's brainstorm a good magic item to give to Penelope. So the two things that I immediately go to are both things that I think would exacerbate, uh, not exacerbate, exhaust? An X word, the X games, uh, snowboards, snowboarding. Uh, the two items that would snowboarding cat would be a magic hat or a magic lasso. <laughs> Exasperate. That's the word, which I was being just then. No, it's great. It's fine. Well, it could exasperate Cat by exacerbating the problems. Um, And uh, it could be excruciating. Like a snowboard crash. 
I figure if I act like the word that I'm trying to think up, people will just figure out what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like charades, but emotional. Uh, magic lasso would definitely, definitely exasperate me. <laughs> I don't think Kirsten can be trusted with one of those. Although actually, I think one thing that would be really cool for Penelope that I don't think would get Cat exasperated would be maybe a magic shawl. I think, I think mm. Penelope would look good in like a scarf or a shawl. Cute. Very cute. Now, I'm more thinking about mechanically what kind of magic item, and I keep stumbling onto, wouldn't it be fun if we could give Kirsten an additional word for her horrible spells? Wouldn't she just love that? <laughs> so maybe just like a little bolo tie, but it gives her some horrible word. <laughs> I mean, the word that immediately comes to mind is pop. No. <laughs> Now you are snowboarding me. <laughs> I'm actually trying to think of a good word for Kirsten that will also not just cause Cat to turn the stream off whenever Kirsten casts a spell through it. <laughs> like that will not cause Cat to just turn the podcast around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's it. Let's narrow it down and, and think around it, though. I think first off, it should probably be a personal spell piece. Mm. Yeah, because if I give her a terrain spell piece... That's a spell she can always cast no matter where she is. And she will, I mean, as we saw with, what was it, the arrow? Yeah, restoring an arrow are her two favorite words for Penelope. Yeah. So if we gave her, like, the popcorn, we would have restoring popcorn constantly, which mm-hmm. would be very <laughs> on brand for her. It would be, like, it would be very Kirsten, yeah. <sighs> Just magical healing popcorn. God, I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. It'll break her heart to know that restoring popcorn was on the table and we chose not to give it well, to her. Maybe when it goes out, uh, we can have we can have Kathleen bleep out the word popcorn. <laughs> I mean, I can do that. I have that ability. Although I think that would just give the listeners the, the wrong idea. So I think I think maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's some that's some that's some Neil Sesergia like bleeping out the count song. I love the count. <laughs> I'm five. So personal spell piece. I think the form of the magic item is gonna be determined by like what happens in the adventure. Right. Though I think that a pen could be really cool. I agree with that. I think a pen for someone who is just learning how to write. And continues to learning how to draw. If it's a pen, though, I want to give it the spell piece ink. I think she could have fun with that. Yeah. I know I could. Ink is a cool, I think actually ink's a cool spell piece. Yeah. I actually really do like that. Pairing it with a pen is a little on the nose. Mm-hmm. But like maybe like a like a pendant of polished onyx or something like that. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, that also would tie into her cowboy persona. Yeah, that's a little rugged of a look, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah, I like that a lot. Let's see. What if we could have the spell or the item try to involve Pollyanna in some way? Mm. Because I don't think that Pollyanna wears a saddle. I think she just wears blankies. Yeah. Let's see. Now I have to think about where Pollyanna could get such a treasure. Not Pollyanna, Penelope. Damn it. Now I'm the one doing it. Oh, well. And, like, heck, could be Pollyanna who gets it. It could be Pollyanna who gets it. 
Pollyanna's just like doing Pollyanna things, rummaging through a bush or something. And is like, oh, it's a cool rock. Here's something, a little ornament, like a sash or something. Mm-hmm. But it increases the assist pool. Oh, that's not a bad idea. So she can do more horrible arrows. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of encourages her to work more with her partnership with Pollyanna, which mm-hmm. I think is something that Penelope is very much about. Ooh, that'd be fun. I keep wanting to see like um, a laurel or a wreath of some sort. Ooh. Oh. It's like a wreath of enchanted flowers that never wilt. That's the kind of magic item I like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's definitely the kind of magic item I like very much. Mm, something that's a home reminder. I don't know. It, like, a smooth river stone that gets slightly warm when Stephen yells at a kid. That's cute. Or, <laughs> like, a pressed flower that changes texture based on what season it is in Northridge Okay, here's okay. One of the things that they can do is abilities that other rangers might have. Mm. So, what about what about just like a little carnelian apple Mm -hmm. that once a day lets her use the arcanist's ability to re roll something using understanding as just a reminder of Penelope's father? Oh, that's cute. A little token that encourages her to ask, What would dad want me to do? Mm hmm. Probably use my brain, huh? Yeah, I like that a lot. Especially the fact that it's an apple. Yeah. I actually, I think that might be my favorite of the ones we've come up with. Brainstorming. Brainstorming. Yeah, I think a home reminder was a really good thing for Penelope because Penelope's very tied to her home. All of her horrible siblings. All of her siblings were just as grabby as she is. Just as grabby as she is. Now see, the cursed Penelope relic is a little like monkey's paw. That constantly makes you grab at food. Ooh. It's a magic quick draw fork. <laughs> and that's, I think magic items are more interesting when they're tied to the person who has them. That's part of why, like, the fallen piece of silk from the demon was a gift for Tissa, because that's kind of fits into Tissa's whole aesthetic and Tissa's whole thing. Yeah. Not only, like, visually, yeah, Tissa's a pile of scarves, but also Tissa's very much about picking up this and that from far-ranging travels and incorporating them into who she is, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. And Cobble loves swords. He just loves to have sword. Big ones, small ones, some as big as your head. It's not a very Mm -hmm. big sword, really. Though, I don't know, Cobble probably has a pretty big head. Yeah, Cobble had big. He's a powerful noggin. And those are the kinds of magic items I like. I like them when they're fitting and when they're special and when they're just for the character and when they're little. I like them when they're little and cute. Okay, what would be good magical items for the dirt packs? Honestly, I think the little um, fulgurite charms that Vi have would probably be very good for her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I don't know what they do, but I think those would actually be really good little keepsakes. I think like a pin or a brooch would suit May. Mm-hmm. Something that could be incorporated into a lot of outfits. Yeah. Something sort of like extra sparkly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea that I had for Miller was a coin that flips heads 60% of the time. (laughs) 
oh fuck he'd love that that's the thing <laughs> that's the like i can't think that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life but miller would love it or a coin that has like some sort of facing on it like maybe a, a nose or like something that points and whenever you flip the coin it always points in the direction of the nearest buffet <laughs> oh that's beautiful where are we going i don't know i don't know what it's like all i know is it's nearby <laughs> it's over there detective miller goes off on another adventure mm-hmm. or maybe like a magical enchanted stick from a piece of street food <laughs> i don't know what it'll do but okay may already has the terrain piece rainbow but that might just be to only cast rainbow me Actually, a little opal brooch with the word rainbow plugged into it would be perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be very nice. I like that a lot. Maybe that would fit kind of a more elegant character than ours. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Fulquin would like that. Seems like the kind of thing that would suit Fulquin. Yeah. Matters yeah. <laughs> of condoms can be a lot of fun if you just, you know, if giving them character is their mechanic. Yeah. And that's, um, I guess, the moral of this story, isn't it? I guess so. We spent a little over 40 minutes telling you that. See, the problem is that it's not (laughs) going to be 40 minutes by the time that they're listening to it. Mm. Yeah, that's a hell of a called shot there, my man. Well, how about we ADR just in, when where I say 40 minutes, just ADR in something like, insert time here. Just Goldberg it. (laughs) Just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just do the ADR from your phone on the subway. <laughs> That's a penalty. <laughs> Just put that over. <laughs> I love it. Oh, full circle. Back to talking about knives. Yep. But how about you, listener? What are your favorite knives? Yeah, listener literally fill up our inbox with cool magic item ideas. Please do that. They don't even have to be magic. Just tell us what cool knives you have. That too. Yeah. If you can think of a cool magic knife, that will pretty much that'll pretty much make our day, won't it? It will, yeah. We love knives, and we love magic, and we love you. And where can our listeners send these magic knives? Um, I'm not putting my mailing address on them. <laughs> well, okay, there's stories about magic knives then. We'll get a P.O. box for the show eventually, and then you can mail the magic knives there. <laughs> In the meantime, though, you can send us your magic item ideas, your stories about cool knives, or just your general thoughts and feelings to us on Twitter at PeachGardenRPGs or using the email form on SortOfSymphonies.com. We would love to hear from you. Absolutely. That was a pretty good dismount. <laughs> now we really are getting into the snowboarding. <laughs> Bye, listener. Bye, listener. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Everyone Dice is a tabletop RPG actual play show produced by Compass Rose Productions. 
we are a group of queer players with a focus on roleplay, an emphasis on diverse storytelling, and a goal of creating happy endings for people who don't usually get them. Currently, we are using D&D 5th edition and playing through a dark fantasy homebrew campaign inspired by the world of Innistrad. Everyone Dice streams on Twitch at 4pm PST and is available on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter at Everyone Dice for more information.